0: Welcome to another episode of the Her Story Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Miller. My guest this week is a woman who has experienced the deepest pain imaginable, yet she is still able to testify to God's healing power and his presence through every step of her journey. In 2004, Laura Jones was a wife and mother serving in full-time ministry, when suddenly her life was shattered in an instant. Laura and her family were in a car accident that claimed the lives of her entire family both of her young children and her husband. Only Laura survived. In our conversation today, Laura shares how she desperately wished for death to claim her life too, as she struggled to go on living after the accident. But in the midst of her deepest pain, she found God drawing her gently to his side, daring to trust him again. Listen, as Laura shares her journey from death to hope and encourages us to believe in the goodness of God, despite our circumstances appreciate you coming on today and um, just sharing this story. It's a hard one, um, and it's amazing to see how God has just, wow, given you hope and used your story.
1: Thank you. It's a so, privilege to be here with you.
0: And I have to say, your book, Song of a Wounded Heart, that just came out, I actually just finished it this morning, and the tears just came. It's a hard story to read, but wow, it just makes you... Just love and believe in God more for getting you through, seeing how he got you through something that would probably be most moms, just worst nightmare.
1: Without a doubt, all of our worst nightmare. Oh. Yeah.
0: And I, as I've read your story the past few days, I just, I've told my husband, I'm like, I don't know. I think I couldn't live. Like it. that would be the, but I was reminded this morning, like, no, you can't on your own. You probably couldn't. Right. And I'm sure you felt like that, but it was God that gave you the strength to live and keep going. Yes, that's
1: absolutely right. I I said many, many, many times to my mom, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And she never argued with me because yeah. I I knew I couldn't and she knew I couldn't. It was way harder than I ever dreamed life could possibly be. And, but God can, God
0: can do it. Yeah. And that, that is what your story and your book is about. So mm-hmm. for those that haven't read your book, that's what we're going to talk about today is, is your story and what God got you through. So can you start off just giving us just a brief Introduction to you like where you live and kind of like what what your life looks like right now And then we'll go back to your story that happened that Thanksgiving um, in 2004
1: Absolutely, I live in the southwest corner of Kansas in the heart of wheat country right now where all of the harvest is happening and um, the sun's shining beautifully <laughs> i spend I work out of my house and I do a lot of writing, blogging, um preparing for events. I am an inspirational speaker. I've been doing that for wow, like nine, ten years now, okay. and what I love to do best is women's retreats okay. and and events in churches or wherever schools that God, wherever God opens the door and I love to watch people, um, get a taste of hope.
0: Yeah. And he's he's used your story to get you to that point because that's not the life that you had envisioned or planned that how God would use you, but he has brought you to that point where you love doing that and that you can do that.
1: Absolutely. You are right.
0: (laughs) Yes. I I remember the chapter in your book, you fighting God about like, I I don't want to speak. I don't want to talk. So, uh, oh my goodness, you are so right. (laughs) (laughs) So take us back then to the story we're talking about. Like we said that really, like you say, in one of your opening chapters, never in my darkest nightmares um, that I thought that this would happen in my world. So take us back to that night that what did happen in your world.
1: My husband was a pastor, and we lived in Northeastern Oklahoma in a little town called Miami. And we had served together in the pastorate for almost 20 years. We'd lived in Kansas and then Nebraska, and now Oklahoma. We had two beautiful children. Janessa was 14 at the time and an eighth grader. And Jaden, our son, was a sixth grader and 11 years old. It was Thanksgiving time. And we traditionally traveled back home to Southwest Kansas, where both of us grew up to visit our families at Thanksgiving instead of Christmas, because it's hard for a pastor to get away at Christmas time. So that was our tradition. And the kids were excited. We picked him up after school on Tuesday before Thanksgiving, and packed them all in the van and took off. Um, It's about a 400-mile drive, so about halfway we stopped and had dinner with my husband's little brother and his family, and just laughed and talked and got back on the road rather late, maybe nine-ish, and the weather had been rainy but warm. Been a warm November. We weren't worried about anything roads-wise or conditions-wise. But as we got came out of the restaurant that night, the temperature had dropped, and so we dug the coats out of our car and, and put them on, and, and before long it started snowing, and the kids were so excited about that. It's going to Grandma's house, and it's snowing. You know, it can't get any better than that. I fell asleep in the front seat of the van, expecting to wake up at home about midnight. Well, instead, when I awoke, um, it took a while for me to to understand. But we had been in a head-on collision due to black ice, mm-hmm. and that night, in the in the coming hours, I would learn that my husband and my son died on impact, on the highway, and my daughter would live just a few more hours at the trauma center in Wichita. And the next, more next midday, I was released from the hospital.
0: And it had to seem, it couldn't have even seemed real,
1: I assume. Mm -mm. No, not at all. Yeah, I kept thinking that Somehow it was all going to turn around. It was going to be a bad dream or the doctors were going to say, oh, no, wait, you know, yeah, something was going to happen.
0: Yeah, because as moms, I mean, I have two children also, and it's like they become our life and you just your mind can't even go there that suddenly all of that could be taken away Um, and you hear stories and you don't think that could ever possibly happen to you. Um, and I'm sure that's what you were walking through. So kind of walk me through just a little bit those days after. I mean, like you said, you thought that, w- that was probably just a blur, but just, um, well, actually, let's stop. Before we do that, tell me a little bit about, um, you felt like somebody was singing to you that night and comforting you. Tell a little bit about that part of the story. God is amazing,
1: and He knows exactly what we need and when we need it. For me, music is one of the ways that He can speak to me when I can't hear Him any other way. It's still true today, and it was true before the accident. It's like another language to me. So while I was still in the van, still trying to absorb what I was seeing and understand what I was seeing, I heard a song begin to play in my head. Mm. I recognized it. I had heard it on the radio before, but I didn't know it. I didn't know the words. It just sounded familiar.
0: Mm.
1: And the first part of the song that came to me in the melody was, Do Not Be Afraid. And that part just seemed to get stuck and play over and over and over and over and over. It was kind of like, how you comfort a child when they're frantically afraid, but there's really not a reason for them to be afraid. Right. Maybe there's danger in the room, or maybe you're in a lake and they're learning how to swim or whatever, and there is danger, but they're not in danger because you've got them in your arms. Mm. And it was that kind of a, yes, there's danger around you, but I've got you in my arms that wow. kind of a feel. It was like a gentle command. And, um, mm. Then they they started, the EMTs started working to put me on a, a backboard to take me out of the vehicle. And that's when the, the recording went to the next phrase of the chorus of that song. And it says, the voice of truth says, this is for my glory. Wow. I thought to myself, that, isn't, that doesn't really make, make sense. Like nothing was really computing in my head right. at this point. I should have known more about their injuries than I did because my head just wouldn't connect the dots. Right, right. So in my head, I just thought, okay, we're going to be okay. Like you're going to do something miraculous. If, if you're gonna, if this is gonna be for your glory, it must be miraculous, right? So they took me out of the van. They took me to a little bitty hospital, not very far from the accident site. And there I waited. And in the meantime, they took our daughter to a trauma center about forty-five miles away. And in that little hospital where I was waiting was where I learned that Jay and Jaden were already gone. And they Mm -hmm. told me there that they didn't expect Janessa to live through the night.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: And that's when the chorus concluded right as the chaplain stopped talking and moved away Mm -hmm. from my bed to the foot of the bed of the man in the other vehicle and began to talk to him. He was just on the other side of the curtain right then is when that chorus concluded and it says, out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. Uh, wow. And I just clung to it. I knew it was God. Yeah. I wanted to hear the rest of the song. And in the days to come, I had my family find it for me. I wasn't really capable of doing much on my right. own. And, So they found it for me. I got to read the rest of the words. It's Voice of Truth by Casting Crowns.
0: Yeah. And And that's a powerful song. Wow. And that was like you said, you knew God was speaking to you and along with you through this. And this was for his glory. And you thought it would be answering. So often God does. I mean, most of the time, so different than we think he's going to. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you said, you thought that meant he was going to heal your children, but right. this, that was not his plan. And you had been a woman of faith most of your life, correct? Right. So that's what I find so interesting, because you say in your book that um, your intensity of your interaction with God increased after the accident. So the most horrific thing in your life has happened. You've always been a strong woman of faith, but this... God used to increase your faith and interaction with him. So obviously the hearing that music was one way. Talk a little bit more about that, like your interaction, how that just so um, was so powerful with the Lord and the intensity.
1: You know, when you get to the place where you cannot do anything on your own and you have no ability to make any decisions to, figure out anything about life and you lean into Him, mm-hmm. He will he will give you all the details. When you can't do it, He'll give you all the details. Mm-hmm. It just, He would, there were, I don't want to make it sound like I was having this continuous conversation with God because it wasn't like that. There were periods of time when it was just quiet and I felt so lost and confused, but I often would say what am I doing today and he would just give me an idea like go find <sighs> this person or or sit in front of the fire and let's build a fire together or have you taken a shower recently <laughs> yeah. you know whatever yeah. just um just thinking and bringing people to my door when I couldn't walk out my door and just continually and i could see his hand in each piece of it mm. i recognized it
0: and just how gently he guided you through it like you said initially just things as small as did you take a shower or did somebody bring you a meal like those sort of things um and he walked you through it at your own pace when you couldn't walk and do it on your own yes And you also talk about, so after the accident, you moved in with your mom for a little while. Is that right? I did. Yes. We
1: did a funeral in my hometown, and then we did a memorial in the church where my husband was serving as pastor. And then now it's like the first day of December, and I didn't want to stay in my empty house for Christmas. So yeah. I came home with my mom and and stayed with her until mid January or so and waited for God to tell me what it was I'm supposed to do, where I was supposed to live and and he answered. Yeah. And then I knew to go back to Miami.
0: And so you went back and you share so openly in your book about just going back to that empty house and the silence. And um, I imagine, was that one of the hardest times in this journey? Just going back to that.
1: It was, it was by that point I was longing for it though. Like it was as close as I could be to being in their presence was to be in their rooms. And Um, I needed to be with their their friends. That mattered to me. Those things became like a cocoon, a place Mm -hmm. where I could sit and be a safe place until my head and my heart began to think a little, little clearer. It was very hard. I wanted to go through every single piece of paper, every single toy. I wanted to look at each one. And with all my heart, I wanted to pick it up and then a movie to start in my head that would bring back memories. But one of the things about trauma, at least for me, a lot of that took months to come back because There was just so much emotional trauma my head wouldn't work right including the memories they wouldn't come that scared me to death yeah like somehow it's all gone but it it wasn't it it just it had to be some time go by before I could handle the memories
0: right and when we talk about this today I mean this accident happened 15 years ago and so What you can tell in a book and in a 45-minute podcast, I mean, we're condensing so much because this is a long journey of healing and God walking beside you, Um, and some days we're really... Really hard, and some days you found joy in that grief. Let's talk a little bit about because you're very honest in your book about, um, you know, just the feeling, those hard times that kept coming of like your identity being gone, and then all the really honest questions that you had for God um, about why or why you were left alive. So let's talk a little bit about that your identity, struggling with that, who you were, and then the questions that you got really honest with with God
1: one of the things that in college i felt like god said to me was that i was going to be a pastor's wife mm. and so it was it was my identity it was also my calling and so when i found myself without him i just felt lost like yeah. the double edged sword of my identity as a wife and a mom and everything that I, the daily routine was completely gone. Yeah. And, and then no purpose, the purpose of raising children. And then the purpose of following a, a calling that God gave you. And, and like you gave me this calling and then you took it away. Yeah. So what is it that I'm supposed to do and be and, Oh, my goodness. All of that just felt so lost. And we we lived in a parsonage, which is a church-owned home. And Mm -hmm. so that meant they certainly weren't rushing me. The people of the church were unbelievably kind and took care of me in so, so, so many ways. But I knew it wasn't my home. So there wasn't anything about my life that was going to stay the same and mm-hmm. i i didn't know how to navigate that at all i was also working as the church secretary at the time and i was not emotionally capable of going back to that empty office to work right. either nor capable of thinking well enough to to do the tasks so job home children husband just yeah. gone. i
0: think i think Moms, All of us can relate to that because, you know, you say, they say, don't let your children become your life or your identity. But when you're raising children, they are a big or the biggest part of your life. And so we, I can relate, like, what do you do? I tried to, when you talk about that in your book, I tried to imagine that to my own life. Like, oh my goodness. Like, I don't know, but I assume that is where God steps in and you start finding a new identity in him. Tell us kind of how he helped you through that process.
1: One of the big pieces of the, of him helping me through that process was through, there was a little local college in Miami. And I had already been connected to that ministry to a small degree. So I started volunteering in that ministry. And, and that really just meant that I would go hang out at the Baptist Collegiate building and just talk to kids, which I enjoyed mm-hmm. doing. And uh, the youth pastor at our church asked me to start a Bible study. This was this was the following fall, so maybe nine, eight, nine months after the accident. Okay. He asked me if I would start a Bible study in our church for the college students that attended our church, which was only three, three okay. kids. And I thought, okay, maybe I love to teach the Bible and I thought maybe I can do that with these three kids that I know and it'll be okay. And well, what I didn't know was that they went back to that little college and they told everybody that I was going to lead that Bible study. So when I walked in the the room the very first time, it was full. (laughs) Wow. And I I just was so shocked. I Uh I didn't see it coming or expect it. So I, on a whim, I just said to those kids, um, if you want to do your laundry at my house, you can. (laughs) <laughs> if you want an instant <laughs> college ministry, just do that. You made some anyway. quick friends. <laughs> so those kids started filling my home, and that, that was wonderful. It wow. gave me interaction, and it gave me teenagers, which I needed, even though they were a little older than my kids. But it also... The, the new kids that were coming, they didn't know my family. They only knew me. Mm. So that began in a really small way, me figuring out how to interact with them as Laura. Who yeah. is she? And that was a long process, but that was a very important piece. And God knew I could do it with the help of kids. It's. It was vital for me.
0: Yeah, and I love that part of your story, how God used that and brought your your friend, your children's friends into your life, but then also these, like you said, these new students who didn't know the past you, and mm-hmm. you could be who you were. Um, and then it's amazing too. In some later chapters of your book, you talk about. Oh, the kids God put in your life that were walking through really hard things with cancer of parents and you helped them walk through grief in their life. Um, yeah. And it's so, it's just all so powerful to me how God truly used your story like you could have never written. Um, but wow, when you look back, it's incredible. Um, that's, that's true. I, the, the
1: book, the story of my life is almost too incredible to even believe it's true. And yet God just orchestrated all of those pieces together. When you look for him, you'll find him. And when you, when you chase him, (laughs) when you lean into him, um, he provides for your needs. It's, I know that. And that's what I want people to believe as they read that book that, okay, if God can do that for her, maybe he can do it for me too. Cause I know he can and will
0: and wants to. And that's what's so powerful about your book. You you are not only sharing your story, you're also sharing women of the Bible like Esther that got their stories that helped encourage you. But then also you're encouraging others to take a look at their stories and the role how God has worked to them and how our stories intertwine. Um, I'm going to read some of your words because I think they're so powerful as far as Sharing our stories. It says, Our life stories connect us to each other. When I picture heaven, I imagine going from person to person, listening to each life story. What joy it will be to hear their stories and to tell mine. From heaven's perspective, we'll be able to see how our stories intertwined with each other and what God did with our lives, which we didn't understand when we were merely mortal. And I just, I love that. It's so powerful. And that is um So true. And what you are doing is going and sharing your story and hearing the stories of others on this earth. Um, So just, if you don't mind just talking a little bit more about that, how God started opening the door for you to start telling your story, because like we talked at the beginning, you didn't want to share your story. You wanted to stay closed up and um, not take these steps, but God started gently nudging you there. He
1: did. And, and first because people would ask me questions just in their their living room or in my living room or at a restaurant or whatever they would ask me about how are you dealing with all of this or you know what are you hearing from God or anything and I would tell them the stories of what God had done and and how particularly in the beginning how I heard him sing and then they would They would go tell a friend about it and then somebody would come and say, tell us that story again, you know? So I would repeat it over and over and over, which was helpful for me and helpful for them. Well, then people started saying, well, will you come share it at my, our Bible study group or our our women's group or our church service or whatever. And so just, you know, five, 10 minutes at a time, I started just telling the story Well, in January of 06, about 12-13 months after the accident, um, my husband's grandmother passed away and by then I had my home church in Liberal, which was a pretty good sized church at the time. The pastor there was asking me to come and share that story on a Sunday morning worship service. That scared me to death. I didn't want to stand in front of that many people. Um, I didn't want to do it at all. And there was some sense inside of me that if I said yes, there would be more. (laughs) Mm. And uh, (laughs) so as I drove to that funeral, it was about a 450 mile trip by myself, as I drove to it, I argued with God the whole way. I, I don't want to do this. I'm not a good speaker. I I hated speech in school. Do you remember that I'm an accountant? That's what you told me to do. Um, you know, just argued with them all yeah. the way. And then when I got to the service, the pastor Went to the pulpit and he said, I've never used this verse before for a funeral service, but God impressed it upon me. And the verse he read said, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know oh. what the man did with the rest of the funeral service because I didn't, <laughs> I was railing at God. Like, what are you doing? This is about grandma, not about me. Um. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I, when we went to the the graveside service i went to my to to my van or to somebody else's van and i i got in my purse and i got out my little calendar i don't know why that was so important to me but i was trying to say to god okay fine when am i going <laughs> and <laughs> when i did that my phone was also in my purse and it was blinking and, and no kidding i looked at the heavens and I said, hang on a minute, I've got a message. (laughs) 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 And And so it began. So it began. I listened (laughs) to that message and it's just as incredible to me today as it was at that moment, because I didn't know the woman leaving the message, never met her before. I don't know how she got my number. And while I was working on the book, I asked her, how'd you get my number? And She said, I don't know. <laughs> and, oh she, wow. oh. and she <laughs> said, I understand that you're a speaker. And I wanted to see if you come speak at our women's group. Wow. And I just went, I knew it. I you knew it. to
0: obey. Knew. And that yeah.
1: was the plan. It was a wow. bigger thing then. And then God just said, hang on, this is going to be intense and short-term. Right. It it was. For a year, it was intense and short-term, and then the invitations quit. And I thought, yes, I did it. I obeyed. (laughs) Done with that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Off the list, Lord. Leave me alone now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's not how it turned out. I I took a job then three years after the accident by now. And I took a job back at my home church, moved back to my hometown. And while I was working at that church, which was more my training, because I I did go to seminary with my husband after I finished my accounting degree, got a master's in religious education. So it fit me to work with small groups and set up children's programs and those kinds of things. I, I was doing things that were my natural bent as a pastor's wife and as a woman, the things I had done. and But the whole time I was doing it, I began to think, I don't really want to just set up programs. I want to talk to people. Yeah. I got to talk to people while I was speaking. I kind of missed that. What?
0: What yeah. am I saying?
1: Stop it. God <laughs> yeah, put that limit
0: in your heart for missing that. It's pretty incredible how he did that. And,
1: and he just slowly worked on my heart until one day I realized that he had given me the desires of his heart. Mm-hmm. And when my heart matched his heart. Then I knew it was the right thing. And I quit working for the church and started doing this full time.
0: Yeah. And you have your own ministry now. and. Go out and do, like you said, retreats and speak and share your story and hear other women's story. And we'll put the link at the end of the podcast. We'll put the link on the show notes and at the end of the podcast. We'll tell um, listeners where they can find you. But before we get there, I have, I've got a list of so many questions. But I know we can't cover all of them today, but w- a couple of things, um, like I said earlier, I want to talk about the questions you had for God. But before we go to that, um, as we're talking about you speaking and finding yourself and, ge- and getting real, one of the things you talk a lot about is just kind of like permission to be the real you and to have the grief and to show people the grief. And I think even if we're not walking through grief, I think as women, we can relate to that because we want to act like we've got it together and, um, you know, are, we're okay. But God really worked on you with that process of showing like, it's okay to have grief and to show your sadness and sorrow and you can still have joy. So could you talk a little bit about that and share what the Lord taught you through that?
1: I, as a pastor's wife, I really kind of felt like I needed to have it all together. I I think that's absolutely not true. Being real as a pastor's wife would have been a better option. Yeah. But I felt like if I wasn't okay, and there were bad things that happened to us in those 20 years and things that I did need help with, and I would tend to you know, quietly find one or two people to help me figure it out. And, and again, like, go to church on Sunday morning and pretend I was okay. And I think when we do that, for the hurting people in the room, they just think, well, see, life's good for them because they're good. Mm-hmm. And life's bad for me because I must have done something wrong. Right. And so I better not share it. And if, if we would all share the difficulties that we're facing and the answers God's bringing, you can't share the answers God has brought if you weren't willing to share the problem. Right. The two things have to, to go together and then, then it would encourage everybody else. So that light bulb needed to come on in my life in the first place. And, and it did after the accident for one thing, in a sorrowful sort of way, I knew that I was no longer, if I were to just be open and honest, I was no longer damaging anybody else but me. So I wasn't affecting my husband's ministry. You know, I wasn't embarrassing my children. If I just fell apart, it was only me I was affecting. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think maybe that's part of the problem, too. Um, we, we think we got to be strong for the kids or strong for the spouse. And again, honestly, when, when, we, when we hurt openly and honestly, people can help us. And when we put those walls up, they can't.
0: And not only so. that we can help them when we're hurting honestly and openly, because Mm -hmm. if we're all acting like we've got it all together, nobody, everybody that doesn't feels like, wow, there's something wrong with me. Um, But as women, especially if we are vulnerable and honest and show how God can work, it, it just helps and gives hope to so many of us. So, so you started learning that I interrupted, share a little bit, keep going with where you're going with that.
1: I just decided that I was going to be transparent as best as I could. And that was new territory for me. Okay. But the, the teenagers around me, both the junior high kids and they grew older and the high school kids and then the college kids, they helped me with that because kids are willing to ask pointed questions hmm. that adults yes. kind of shy away from. <laughs> yeah. So they gave me yeah. really good practice being real. And yeah. uh, that helped tremendously. And, and then I began to realize the first time that I, I got angry with God and just kind of laid it all out before him. I felt like he just reached down and tousled the hair on my head like, I kind of like you. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like with little kids when, when you just, yeah, I don't know, you just tossle their hair like, I just kind of like you. And yeah, that's what cause... it felt like. And so I went to my one of my really good friends and I said, OK, why was God seemingly OK with all of that? And he said back to me, maybe it's because you were finally honest. Mm. And that's when that light bulb came completely on. That's, wow, that's powerful. We do that with our spouses. We do that with our children. They can tell something's wrong and we pretend it's not. And how that comes across is dishonesty. Wow. Yeah. That's not what we mean it to be. We're protecting them. We're hiding feelings we think we shouldn't have. But it comes across to other people who can see something. They just don't know what it is. It comes across as dishonesty. Mm.
0: And we think to the Lord, like if we express that fear or that anger that we're somehow not as faithful or good as a Christian, but like you just said, I mean, that's so powerful. He sees it as dis- like, we're not being honest and real with him and he can take it. <laughs> yeah, And yeah. he knows where yeah. other people are guessing. He yeah. knows. So he you might as well be does. honest. <laughs> yeah, he absolutely does. And one of the other things that you share is that you get really honest with the questions for him, um, like why did this happen? Why were you left? And I, one of the one thing that really struck out to me, one of the questions was um, about prayer. And I'm just, I want you to kind of go through what the Lord taught you with this because I think it was after the accident, somebody had asked you, or you were praying for some people to have safe travels, but then you thought like. What is the good of that? I prayed for our family to have safe travels that Thanksgiving night, and it didn't happen. So does prayer even matter? And that was very powerful. So tell me how you wrestled with that and what God taught you through that. Uh, it's a hard question. It is, it's so easy. That's okay. It's
1: so easy to get angry and just stay angry because there's, there's questions that... God just can't really answer or he just doesn't really answer. Maybe because we wouldn't understand it if he did. Maybe because his answer wouldn't be good enough for us. I mean, if he were to come down and sit down across from me and he would say, Laura, here's why I left you here. Here's all the things I wanted to do with this story. I... I would love that and appreciate that. And I love seeing what he's doing with the story, but it's not enough. Yeah, it's it, not, it's not a fair trade.
0: Right. That's <laughs> a good point. Would you, put it. Right. You, know? you would still not, you would still want your children back. I can, that's a very yeah. good point. Yeah. I would still want my kids back. So yeah.
1: sometimes he explains a few things and sometimes he doesn't. And so much of that is learning to trust him when we don't understand. Uh, we yeah. do that with our kids. You know, they, they yeah. ask us lots of questions over their lifetime that we choose not to answer because we know they wouldn't get it or if, if they really did get it, they'd be mad at us. <laughs> yeah, that's such <laughs> so a good point. So we choose not mm. to explain. And, and each time that kind of situation would happen with my kids, I would say, don't you trust me? Mm. yeah and I I think that's what God is asking of us too don't you trust me yeah I think you're right he would would... bring back memories to me you know of time here's what I did Laura remember here's what I did Mm. and bring people to me to encourage me or to speak the truth over me and he brought people one in particular, that it didn't really matter what I said to him, his response would be, it's okay to feel that way.
0: Mm -hmm. And that helped immensely. Just having that permission that it is okay. And that's such a good, I mean, like you said, we're not going to have all the answers. We're just not, but God gently walked you through that and you knew he was there. Any revealed things. But this side of heaven, we're never going to have all these answers. Mm-mm. So going back to the questions, one that I'd like you to share about, though, when you talked about kids helping you be honest and real, was a friend of yours, her daughter, young daughter, asked you a question when she learned of your story. She asked you, have you thanked the Lord for this, for your story? And that was powerful for you. Um, one, she meant it differently than you thought, but that really helped you walk through some healing. Can you share a little bit of that for your last kind of story of um, just God's presence?
1: Absolutely. That was an eight-year-old. I you know, can't really from get the mouth of babes, I know. <laughs> but I wanted to get mad at that eight-year-old. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, She's I think she asked you one me, of the by hardest the way. questions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> She's 19 now. Oh, Not goodness. Ever. And so, yeah, (laughs) she's a treasure to me. Um, But yeah, she just said to her mom, oh, wow. Did she say thank you? Mm, Yeah. When her mom told me, told her my story. Mm. And then her mom brought that message to me. Thankfully, she wasn't in the room Mm -hmm. because I was just, what? How dare she? Yeah. What am I supposed to do with that? Uh, And... And her mama said, she, she wants to know if you're thankful you're alive. Mm. And when that question actually was voiced, something inside of me exploded. Mm-hmm. Wow. And her mama just wrapped me up in, in her arms and I beat the tar out of her chest.
0: Mm-hmm. I just
1: flailed at her. And yeah. she said later, I bruised her. I, there was so much anger in me. And, and then I'm working for a church at this point. I go back to church <laughs> for my job. And I'm trying to, to wrestle with this explosion that has happened inside of me. And then this lady walks into my office. And she's clearly suicidal. She has her plan in place. She's married and she has children which made me furious that she wanted to die when she, in my mind, had reason to live. Like, trade places with me, you know? Yeah. But I knew it was my responsibility to wrestle with her for life. And And I began to do that and I talked and talked and talked and she, there was nothing, nothing shaking her. She knew what she wanted to do. So finally in desperation, I just started praying for her, praying out loud, I bowed my head, I wasn't watching her anymore, I I just started praying out loud and that prayer became so vivid to me is I ask God to give her a reason to live for her to be able to see his plan for her, for her to be able to love her children and her, and her spouse and want to live on their behalf and somewhere in the middle of all of that I started talking to him about me. Yeah, the I, and I and me I, of your prayer. Mm-hmm. Just, yes and I just I forgot she was even in the room Wow! And I just started begging God that I, I too would would have a reason to live, and would mm. want to live. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on me that she was there. <laughs> like wow! Whoa, rats. wow. Uh, whoa! 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 Stop! <laughs> yeah. I opened my eyes and looked at her. She said, what are you going to do? And her face mm-hmm. went, was completely, all of the turmoil, all of the anger, all of, all of it was gone out of her eyes. And she just got up and walked out of my office. Wow. She's perfectly healthy today, by
0: the way, for those who might wonder. Yeah. And that on the heels of the little girl asking you that question and God just putting it right in your face of, are you thankful? Right in my face. I walked into my pastor's office and I
1: asked him, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> and I told him both stories. And he said, God just gave you a mirror so you would mm-hmm. see what like to him.
0: And... <sighs> And we've just today in our conversation scratched the surface of what you share in your book because your story is just riddled with God's fingerprints all over it through the last 15 years. And I'm sure it's even more than what you're able to share in the book. And that's why I just, I encourage people to read your book, whether they're walking through grief or not, any story, just to see the hope that we have in the Lord um, and how your story truly went from a Story of Death to Hope. Um, and we will, like I said, put links where people can buy your book and find you. But before we go, if you don't mind, um, I just really felt like I wanted to end with you just, and you do this in the book and um, are actually on your website, but telling us just a little bit about your kids, Janessa and Jaden, and just how you keep their memory and um, how you honor them and keep their memory alive today. <laughs>
1: I would love to tell you about my kids.
0: <laughs> yes, we would
1: love to hear. Janessa, I was 14 at the time. She loved to sing. She wanted to be a recording artist. Um, I, I have a video of her singing at camp, her last summer of her life, and that is a treasure. Mm. I, I love to listen again to her music, to the songs that meant so much to her. Um, I, I love to wear her clothing. Her T-shirts fit me. Yeah. I, I love to do that and feel her arms around me. And mm-hmm. I, I love that particularly because the general public doesn't know I have her shirt on. And so it's like my own little secret way of mm-hmm. being especially close to her on a given yeah. day when I need her. Yeah. And, and I love staying in touch with her friends and following their lives and seeing what God is doing in their lives. One of her really good friends, little girlfriends, um, when we lived in Nebraska, contacted me recently and she just came to faith in Jesus and, oh, my goodness, what a celebration to be able to see her, hear her story, hug her, um, and know that Janessa is, like, doing somersaults in heaven. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Cartwheels. Um, then Jaden was 11. He was a soccer player and a goalie, really good at it, and... Uh, His team kept him on the roster for the rest of the season, and so he won a trophy. Um, I can never say that word (laughs) prosthymously. Okay, I don't know either. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to say that, Um, but he was honored with that that trophy even after his death, which is, Mm. there's a word for that, but um, that was a treasure to me. He, too, loved to sing and was just getting to where he was willing to sing in public. Mostly he sang Mm -hmm. in the shower. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He was mischievous like his dad and just a joy to be around. And he was super tenderhearted for those who who other people were ignoring. And because of that, I often get phone calls from kids who remembered him Mm -hmm. and to tell me the impact he had on them which just you know there's nothing that makes a mama's heart any prouder than that yes yeah
0: and you and your husband you were married how many years to JL? 20 yeah oh, to wow. jail. almost 20. Mm-hmm. and he obviously was a godly man and um loved the lord was a pastor and then Had a heart for serving um, on missions in Brazil, and I won't get into another story in your book, but um, that's, again, why I'm encouraging people to read the book because it's, I I don't want to give away, like, not give away the ending, but one of the stories that you share at the end is just so powerful, how his ties to Brazil brought you there to be what another couple needed. Um, Just so, again, so many God footprints all over your story. Um, and I just thank you so much for sharing it and just your vulnerability and pointing back to the Lord. Tell us where you can be found your website. Um, all of that. You can find me at
1: laurajones.org and you need to know to spell my name L O R A because my mom was creative. <laughs> and there you can um, message me or if you're interested in booking a, a event for your church or a group, you can message me there as well. You can okay. find me on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn as well under Lord Jones Ministries.
0: Okay, and on your website, I saw you have a Bible reading plan on there, um, a blog, like lots of... Lots of reasons to go check it out. And your book is Song of a Wounded Heart, and it can be found on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. Correct? That's correct. Okay. Well, Laura, thank you again for just sharing your heart today and just um, pointing back to Jesus just in all of your story and encouraging us for hope. Thank you for sharing stories. I I love that about your podcasts, listening to everybody's stories. Yeah, I mean, God uses, he has different different stories for all of us, but goodness, he can be found in all of them. Even That's right. Yeah. He's so, the ultimate storyteller. I encourage you to check out Laura's website, where she includes her one-year Bible reading plan that you can download for free, as well as her blog, which is full of so much hope and encouragement. The link to her site and her book can be found on the show notes at HerStorySpeaks.com. If you found hope and encouragement in this episode, please share it with a friend and review on iTunes so others can more easily find the show.